Welcome to the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will be greatly encouraged as Pastor Dale Walker and others bring a fresh word from God directly to your heart. Be blessed. Well, hello, church. How are you guys doing this morning? It was a powerful worship time. Awesome job of our worship team. And, uh, well, today I'm going to bring you the word of God. Um, it's more, today is going to be a little bit more of a teaching than a preaching. There's going to be some preaching in there. But it's a, more of a, of a teaching. And today I'm going to be talking about the power of music in worship. The power of music in worship. Okay, so... You know, all human beings, everyone that has been created by God, well, everybody has been created by God. I don't know what I'm saying. But every, every human being created um, was created, was made to worship. Yeah? Just as you were made to breathe, you were made to worship. It's part of our spiritual composition we will one way or another be drawn to worship something or to worship someone. When we talk about worship, especially in the you know, church context, uh, we think of it as something that has to do with God and his greatness. Um, but the truth is that worship encompasses much more than this. Uh, because though worship should be given to God alone, our sinful nature pulls us to devote our time, our treasure, and our talent to other things that are not God. Things like money, power, fame, pleasure, sex, addictions, entertainment, and many other things begin to take up most of our time, more, most of our thoughts and our effort. And whatever it is that is taking up most of our thoughts and our effort, that is what we worship. If you follow the trail of what we invest our money in, what we invest our thoughts, our efforts, our time, if you follow that trail, it's going to take you to that thing that... You worship. And if it's something other than God, that thing has become an idol. Daniel's friends were put in a situation where they had to decide to stand for what was most important to them. I mean, literally stand. They wouldn't bow. And what was at the center of their devotion and worship? These three men stood firm in their worship to the only one that is worthy of a bowed heart and a bowed knee. And we're going to go to Daniel, uh, to the book of Daniel in, in verse 3. We're going to read this uh, passage, um, almost all, the, all the, this chapter. And it, being, it begins like this, King Nebuchadnezzar, something like that. Um, made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura, on the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial law officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So he did this huge statue of himself, right? So the satraps, prefects, all these officials... Um, Assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar, whoo, I said it, had set up. And they said, victory in Jesus' name. And they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, that this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, scyther, scyther lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that the king has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So they were commanded to worship this idol. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of music, 
all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nezer had set up. I give him a nickname so it could be easier for me. At this time, some astrologers uh, came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nezer, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the music uh, must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nezer summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and, and Nezer said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace." Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nezer, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown in the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Ezer was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest sh uh, soldiers in his army to tie up uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers that took up these men. And, and firm, so they were firmly tied, fell, and they fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nezer leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, your majesty. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nezer then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So they came out of the fire, and the, all the officials crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nezer said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent, an, sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Amen? And today, though I do want to emphasize the important there is to take a stand, a resolute stand, only worship our God, and, and to take a stand in who or what our heart and knee will bow down to, I do want us to have a look at something very important in this story. There is a call out in the world to worship other things rather than our God. And the pressure is as intense as back in the day with those three men. In this passage of the Bible, we see that there was a social pressure to comply with what was expected. If you didn't do what everybody else was doing at the sound of the music, you were judged, you were accused, right? Well, today, we call that cancel culture. 
If we don't go with the current of the world, we're rejected, accused of being self-righteous and judgmental. We're thrown into the fire of exclusion, and we are pressured to give up what we stand for as Christians. And this has, been, this has been going on for centuries. God's people have always had to confront the reality of this question. Who or what will you stand for or bow down to? And it's interesting to me, and Pastor Dale pointed this out, and I was like, oh, wow, that, that's true. So it's very interesting to me that what had everyone bowing down to the statue that the king made, what was it? It was music. At the sound of music, worship was to follow. That's what made everybody bow. And you know what? Music has always... um, has always played a very important part in worship, even before time began. Satan, before he became what we know of him now, he was an archangel. And his name was Lucifer. And guess what he was? He was the worship leader in heaven. Before his disgraceful fall, he was the worship leader. Señor, guárdame, Padre. Before his disgraceful fall, he was the one that will lead the heavens in worship to God. Look what Ezekiel says about him. Prophet Ezekiel in, in chapter 28 says this. You were the seal of perfection full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. It is said that instruments were part of him. That from him flowed and streamed music that filled the heavens. You imagine that? He knows very well what to do with music. Just keep that in mind. But sadly, as we see in Isaiah 14, he became proudful and wanted to be like God. Isaiah 14 Verse 12 says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And that was his downfall. And God cast him down and he took with him a third of the angels of heaven. And then God created humanity. And God desires worship from his creation. But ever since God created humanity, Satan has tried to deceive us to turn from God And all that he represents. And one of the enemy's greatest tactics tactics as of late has been, like in the days of Nezer, music. Music. Music has had a very important role in shaping society, in shaping generations, in shaping culture. Music is a powerful thing. What would a drama movie (laughs) be without music? What a drama movie, you know, it's the string section of the musical score that adds to that sentiment. (sighs) Right? And it pulls 
our heartstrings and hasses reaching for those tissues, right? I'm a crybaby in movies. I am. I, I cry with, with my wife's not. My wife doesn't cry. I can put her the saddest, depressing movie, and she does not cry. And I cry. I, I, I'm a crier. But imagine that. Imagine the movie without those strings, without the music. It would seem really weird, right? What would a horror or suspenseful, suspenseful music movie be without music? That eerie piano chord and deep cello play in the background. It tells us that that jump scare, it's right around the corner. It has us at the edge of our seats. The lady opens the door. Hello? <laughs> Is anybody there? And you're over here, yes! They're going to kill you. <laughs> but what, if, what would it be without the music? It would sound really bland, nothing of emotion to it. Music has a way of making our foot stop to the rhythm and giving our mood to change in less than a second. Now, if just a simple melody and rhythm can have such an effect on our, on our emotions and our bodies, add words, add lyrics to it, and they will affect our thoughts and our actions. Music has a direct impact on society and culture. It does. Music is an expressive language of culture. It tells a story. It expresses emotion. It shares ideas or ideology with society. You know, in the past, music with lyrics was used as a form of historic record. For example, a tribe, they would use music to tell a story. They would use music to teach a lesson. Or they would use music to celebrate a successful hunt. Music not only reflects the cultural characteristics of, of a society, but it actually influences it. It influences and shapes culture and society. Now, if this is true, what do the top 10 songs on the Billboard charts say about the, Lord, the world that we are living in. I looked them up. I looked them up. I looked up the top 10 uh, billboard uh, song, songs that are on the billboard charts. And I'm like, I'm going to look them up. I'm going to, you know, get the lyrics and I'm going to read them. And I'm like, no, I think I can't do that. <laughs> Not in church. Because <laughs> it had some words, you know. And I'm like, uh, No. What do the top 10 songs on the Billboard charts say about the world we live in? Can I go a little bit further, just a little bit, a step further into this? What does the top 10 songs in your playlist, in your device, say about the world that you're living in? Ouch. If you can't say amen, at least say ouch. The enemy of our lives knows this all too well, my brother, my sister. And sadly, it has used ungodly music to shape generations to go against what God longs for humanity. You know, there's an article in the Reader's Digest. And it says this about the 60s music revolution. I read it and it's sad and I... Pretty sure that when they were writing it, they were writing it very proudly. <laughs> but look what it says. Rock and roll has spread in the U.S. and marked the arrival of youth rebellion in the teenager. Music from now on would always come with a hint of rebellion. Music had become a vehicle for social change. 
The protest songs and psychedelia of the 1960s were the soundtracks to a sexual revolution. Wow. Music is a powerful thing. Music is a powerful thing. From then on, we've seen how powerful the music industry has become and how it has had its part in leading generations to rebel against God's principles of purity, peace, and holiness. It's true. Now, am I saying all secular music is bad? Don't hear secular music. I'm not saying anything. I'm telling you what the Bible says. That's all I'm doing. Because what does this mean for me as a Christian? What does this mean for me as a Christian? Well, let's go to the Bible. Because as Pastor Dale said last week, my opinion, well, it doesn't matter. It's like a belly button. Everybody has one. Right? But we're going to go to the Bible now. In Philippians 4.8, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, let that sink in. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That gives you a good north, doesn't it? Amen. What God is asking us here is to fill our minds with these things, with truth. To fill our minds with thoughts that are noble, that are right, that are pure, that are worthy of praise. What we as followers of Christ fill our minds with is of essential importance for us. This has to do with what we see, yeah, but also with what we listen to. Because that is what we're filling our hearts and our minds with. And then from this, the obvious question is, what I'm listening to reflects Philippians 4.8? Because eventually what I put into my heart and mind will result in my talk and my walk. Does the music that I listen to honor godly principles? Does it guide my heart to, God, to godly thoughts and actions? Or could it eventually lead me to thoughts and actions that are dishonoring to God? Again, if you can say amen, you can say ouch. God created music as a powerful means to touch lives. And as in all things that God has created, the enemy wants to distort it and wants to use it to rob, destroy, and kill the purposes of God in our lives. That's what it's all about. Now, as Christians, we must understand the importance of music in our worship and our devotion to God. You know, in, in times past, I've preached about worship, and I focus more in our attitude and our obedience and our lifestyle in worship. But today, I want to talk about music, actually, and how powerful music is in worship. Throughout the Bible, we see music being at the center of many times that God worked in favor of his children. We saw it in David when he played for Saul, that demon that tormented Saul would leave. We saw it in Jeho Jehoshaphat. We saw that God led them to victory because of worship. <laughs> We saw freedom come because of worship when Paul and Silas lifted their song to the Lord and the gates of the prison were opened. 
It's powerful accounts in the Bible about worship, about music. So we're going to see one of these powerful accounts that I want to share with you today. And it's in Joshua, Joshua chapter 6. I know many of you have heard of this one, right? But we're going to read it. We're going to see some very important things here that have to do with music, with our worship to the Lord. Uh, Verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up. Everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priest and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets. Okay, there was music involved. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, the trumpets, what? Were sounding. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. Wow. What a powerful moment we see of music in worship to our God, bringing victory to the people of God. So we see how God instructed Joshua to have the people be led in worship when circling the city. Music was to be blasted from the trumpets for seven days. Every time the city walked around, I'm sorry, every time the city was walked around, this worshipful act of playing music each day was a powerful setup for God's victory over Israel. This was God's way of breaking down the walls and taking back the territory that belonged to the people of God. My brother, my sister, I want to tell you something. You can expect the same thing for your life. When we lift our voices to the king and worship, whether you're at church, in your car, at home, at work, wherever you might be, God loves when he is worshipped. And he will come to work in your favor when sweet melodies from the heart are raised to Jesus. That's the truth that we see in his word. Now, what happens? We're going to see here uh, four things that happened, okay? What happens when we raise our worshipful music to the Lord? And we're going to skip that first point, and we're going, we're, going to, we're going to go to number two, where it says that walls are torn down. When we worship, walls are torn down. Have you felt lately in your Christian walk that you maybe come against a wall and you can't go past it? And it's like, what is going on? There's been things that maybe have taken center stage that has allowed the enemy to build walls around you. Depression, anxiety, bad habits, sin, unforgiveness, maybe pride, resentment. There's other things, right? Other hurtful things have had their way into your heart 
And the thing is that they express themselves in bitterness, anger, complaint, self-pity. And you know, we're not going to win, this, win these battles. We are not going to tear the walls down if what comes out of our mouth is, all by myself. Don't want to be. Right? If what comes out of our mouth, and this is a, truly a song out there. If what comes out of our mouth is, I'm a creep. I'm a weirdo. That is actually a song. What a declaration of faith. What's going on here? You're not going to bring walls down if that is your declaration. Right? The only thing, that, I mean, and they could have beautiful instrumentation. They could have powerful vocals, right? But they don't take us anywhere but to mope. You want to tear those walls down? You want to bring down all those strongholds of anxiety, resentment? Lift your song to the Lord. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. Now that will bring walls down. Because everything has to bow to the name of the Lord. Pero ahí estamos. No. We need to declare what the Lord declares. Amen. And then we also, when we worship, we walk into the promises of God. It opens the way for us to walk into the promises of God. When the men gave a loud shout, everyone charged straight in and they took the city. God had promised his people that they would go into the promised land where milk and honey are overflowing. They were able to do this through worship. At the sound of the trumpet, the people lifted their voices. The walls fell to the ground and they were able to walk into the promise. What has God spoken over your life that you have not fully walked into? The enemy, he will come with lies. He will come to deceive you, to make you believe that you're not worthy to receive what God has promised you. You're not worthy. You don't measure up. Your life's a mess. Your family's a mess. Who are you kidding? But God says, uh-uh, I've already spoken it over you. The only thing you have to do is worship. Amen. Worship. Scripture is full of God's promises for our lives. Surely he has spoken these promises over you also. Isaiah 26.3 says, he will give us perfect peace. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, he will be with us and not forsake us. Psalms 32.8 says, he will teach, lead, and counsel us. Psalms 37.24 says that he will not fall for, we will not fall for he will uphold us. Matthew 11.28 says that he will give us rest. First, 2 Corinthians 12.10 says that he will glorify his strength in our weakness. Isaiah 40.31 says that we will have renewed strength. Jeremiah 29.11 says that we have a future full of hope. Exodus 14.14 14 says that our battles belong to the Lord, that he will fight for us. Those are the promises of God for his children, for those that worship him. You see, what worship does is that it says, I, it sets our eyes on God. It makes us totally focus on God and his attributes. And from that knowledge flows all great blessing towards our lives when we worship. 
Through worship, we are saying, how great is our God. We're not singing, how great is my condition, is my circumstance, is my sickness. No. We're saying, how great is our God. And he is greatly to be praised. With this beautiful incense of recognition of who he is. And we acknowledge our dependence on who he is. God's powerful presence comes and fills your heart. It comes and it changes the atmosphere. It changes your perspective of all that is going on in you and around you. You can step into the promises of God now that you are declaring who he is. Amen. Amen? And lastly, one last point I want to make about this passage is that there was a collective sound of music and shout of praise. And then the victory came. But before that, I want to go back to that first point. Worship releases the presence of God. Worship releases the presence of God. Look at what verse 8 says. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The ark of the Lord's covenant represents the presence, the glory of God. And when the trumpets were sounding, it says that the ark of the Lord's covenant was following. When you and I raise our voices in song and instruments are played to the king, you must know something. His presence will follow. And where the presence of the Lord is, there is power to overcome anything that the enemy has tried to come and do in your life. The presence of God follows when we lift our, our voices and instruments in music to our God. And when we do this, when we gather as a church, it's, it's beautiful that you do it alone that you have your alone time with God, that you're driving in your car and you're singing praises, that you're at work or wherever you are and you're singing praises to God and it blesses you. But the time when we get together as a church and we lift our voices and we sing with the instruments, there is power there. There is power there. When there's a collective outpouring of praise and recognition of who he is, that things that we come in here with, they have no match for the power of God. Maybe you came in here and you came in lost. You don't know where your life is going. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And you know what? I'm going to go to church because maybe this is like the last chance I've got at this. Maybe you came here with sadness. Your world is crumbling. And you don't know what to do with it. Maybe you came in here with a sickness. There is no match to the power and the presence of God. Sickness, hurt, grief, sin, sadness, evil thoughts, lust, they're all powerless in the presence of our God. No wall can stand at the sound of the people of God's praise being lifted in worshipful music. And one last uh, passage that I want to see, Second Chronicles 5. Powerful, powerful. All the Levites who were musicians stood on the east side of the altar, dressed in fine linen and playing cymbals, harps, and lyres. They were accompanied by 120 priests sounding trumpets. The trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpet cymbals and other instruments, the singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good. His love endures forever. Then 
the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Something powerful happens when the people of God come together with instruments. And then it doesn't say that they were, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Nah. It says that they were blasting. That they raised, they lifted their voices to sing to the Lord. And the glory of the Lord filled the room. How many of you want the glory of the Lord to fill this place today? You know, it's when we go back. We go into our heart and say, who's number one? Have I been listening to other things that have been distracting me of keeping my focus, my time, my thoughts on what is honorable? And it's in that recognition that we can come and just pour our hearts out to the Lord. And if right now you need to say, I'm sorry, God, go ahead. Go ahead, he's here. And if right now you just want to say, God, I, I, I've been distracted. I've actually let the enemy use all these other things to distract me from bowing to you. I've had my feelings and my emotions and my fears and all these things bowing to them. Father, but right now, I acknowledge you as King of Kings, name above all other names. Would you stand, please, church? I want us to have this time of recognition of our God and the place that we give Him in our hearts. Maybe you came here with what I was saying, grief, Sadness. Maybe you came here lost. There is a way. The way is here. Maybe you came in here with pain, sickness. Jesus is here. What I want you to do right now is just to lift your hands. Just lift your hands and worship to the Maybe you've never done this before and you feel uncomfortable. I'm going to ask you to step out of that comfort zone. Try it. Try it. Because God wants to come and invade. God wants to release his promises over you. God wants to tear the walls down that have had you imprisoned. It's time, church to lift your voice. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. From you, Jesus, for from you are all things. To you, you deserve the Come on, church, I wanna hear you, you are worthy. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy, Jesus. You are worthy of it all. From you are all things. For from you are all things. And to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Come on, church. Lift your voice.
everything is bowing down to the presence of God. Sickness is bowing down. Fear is bowing down. Now, in Jesus' name, walls are breaking. In Jesus' name, walls of fear, walls of anxiety, walls of anger, walls of sickness, walls of bitterness. Right now, in Jesus' name, we're declaring that you are God and no one else, nothing else is God. That there is no idol in our lives. Father, that we bow only to you, Jesus. Only to you, Jesus. We lift our voices in praise and worship to you, Jesus. Lift our voice. We lift our voice. Come on, church. With a new song in your heart, just sing to the Lord. He is worthy of all glory, worthy of all the praise. There is no one like you, Jesus. Only you are worthy, Jesus. several words that somebody is in a very dark place you've just been like closed in in a place where you want to give up and you're hopeless but God's going to break that off of you today in Jesus Amen. name don't yes. leave don't leave without freedom you're too valuable you're too precious God wants you the family needs you you are not your life is not wasted it's not over Amen. God chose you and today you're going to be free from that depression and just that horrible feeling you've been under. This is the day of freedom. The walls are going to come down. So please come down and we're going to surround you in prayer and just break down the wall. Okay, so just come down. If you've been in a dark place, just come down to the altar right now as we sing this last time. Because we just want to pray over you to be set free from that darkness in your life. In Jesus' name, Father, we pray for your deliverance and healing today as only you can do. Hallelujah. We're gonna, others are going to come. Just come. Our prayer teams will be up here as we go. But we're just breaking darkness in Jesus. Let's worship one more time. Let's worship. Sing it out, church. You are worthy. You are worthy of it all.
Lift your voice, sing it. We exalt Yes, we do, Jesus. Oh, we exalt that you are God and we are not. We acknowledge that we come to give you all the praise and all the honor, Lord, and I bless your church. I bless your people, Lord, that they would go with this in their hearts, that your word would be sealed in their hearts, Father, that it would be give fruit in abundance. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you, church. See you here next week. Bless you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that God's Word has inspired you today in a way that will boost your faith greatly. We want to encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on our social media. May God bless you richly.